What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I am back. Got married on Sunday. There's a new Mrs. Smith. Things are great. That's why there hasn't been a pod in a week and a half, but we're back. Today's probably going to be a little bit longer because I'm going to recap the weekend and I'm going to preview the upcoming weekend. So I'm ready for it. I'm excited. It's so good to be back behind the microphone. Thank you for clicking on the podcast and deciding to listen to it. Jonathan Smith, Shooting the Schmidt. Here we go. with what happened on Saturday college football. I'm not going to hit all the storylines, but I am going to focus here on the biggest one, and I'm going to give you my top 12. Is Texas back? They probably are. Okay, when you go into Tuscaloosa, into Alabama, on the road, and you win, that's a very good indication that you're back, especially when you're Texas. But I'm not jumping to any conclusions after one game. We've seen Texas win win big games before, and then stumble down the stretch. So I don't want to jump to any big crazy conclusions here, but man, they looked good. Let's start with Alabama here. Alabama came into the season and we had this idea of what to expect. We knew that it was going to be different than what we had seen these past four or five, six years. We knew that the play at quarterback wasn't going to be top notch, wasn't going to be first round draft pick worthy like the last three quarterbacks we've seen in Alabama, Bryce Young, Tua, Mac Jones. All three of those guys, first-round picks, even Jalen Hurts before that, ended up being a second-round pick, right? So, now they bring in this new guy, Milrow, not at the same level. At least not yet. Maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't. So, we expected an old-school Nick Saban team. They're going to run the ball, and they're going to play good defense. Okay, they're going to beat people how they did early on in the Nick Saban days when they'd beat you like 17-14. to 14. But it's really hard to do that when you don't have the advantage in the trenches. Texas pushed Alabama around all game. Texas's defensive line controlled the game. They had five sacks, and they pressured Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow into multiple bad passes. Two of them ended up being interceptions. Milrow finished 14 of 27 passing. That's atrocious. That's awful. Terrible. Okay, I've seen peewee football kids do better, okay? you got to be better than that if you're Alabama if you want to win football games, especially with the way that college football is now because it's not 2009 where you can just run a pro-style offense, score 17 points, and hold your opponent and hold your opponent to three and win by two touchdowns. It's just not how it works anymore. you got to be able to score the football. And honestly, with the way that Alabama is throwing the ball, uh-uh, doesn't look like they can. It doesn't look like they can. Texas did to Alabama what Alabama has done to teams for years. Texas won that game in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line, Texas's, got just enough of a push for the run game to be just effective enough to open up the passing game. More importantly, that same offensive line gave Quinn Ewers enough time to throw, and he played really well as a result. Okay, He went 24-38 for 349 yards passing and three touchdowns. You can't ask for much more than that. And if they continue to play like that, then this is a team bound for the college football playoff. This is a team bound to win the Big 12 this year, which they should. They're the most talented team in that conference, and they probably have the best coach in that conference, okay? Steve uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Coach Sark, undeniable, man. He can coach. He can coach, man. They got after him, or they got after Alabama on both sides of the ball. It was really impressive 
And now we have another example of the slow fall of the Alabama Crimson Tide Empire. Now, before we jump to conclusions, can we just see them like go like, you know, seven and five, eight and four, have like a legitimately disappointing season by Alabama standards? Like there's still a real chance this team goes eleven and one and plays Georgia in the SEC championship game. If they do that, that's not a bad season. That's a really, really good season. Can we see them do that before we're like, oh, Alabama's done. Nick Saban, hang it up, man. Time's up. Father time has come. Like, let's see the or or can we see them lose to somebody bad? You know, like if they lost to, I don't know, Missouri this year, probably the worst team in the SEC, or behind after Vanderbilt, then you know I'd be like, okay, you, we can talk about the the slow demise of Alabama football now. But until that happens. Alabama's still a really good football team. They're still one of the best teams in the country, as you're about to see, because we are now going to get into my top 12. This is the final year of the college football playoff, only being four teams. Next year, we're going to 12, which doesn't seem like the best idea, but but it'll be okay. So if it was 12 teams this year, here is who, as of week two, I would put in. I will obviously be updating this weekly. Number 12, I would put Oregon. Okay, they're the best team in the Pac-12. They beat a good Texas Tech team in Week 2. I like Bo Nix. He's a solid quarterback who's seen a lot during his several years of college football. Like I said, it's a good Texas Tech team that they just beat. Dan Lanning, head coach, one of the best defensive minds in college football as well. The people who are in control at Oregon, on the offensive side of the ball, Bo Nix, and the defensive side of the ball, Dan Lanning, they both have my full trust. And ranking-wise, they've recruited better than any other Pac-12 team over these last three years. This is a talented football team. Number 12, Oregon. I expect them to only go up. Number 11, Tennessee. I don't like it. I don't. I don't like Tennessee. I don't think that they're that good this year, but given what they did last year, given how they've won you know, the, their first two games to start the season, I feel like I have to put them in here. They got off to a slow start on Saturday against Austin P. Ended up winning convincingly, though. Here's my issue with Tennessee. I don't like Joe Milton. I don't think he's very good. Okay? I don't think he's going to be the guy for them going forward. He will not be the starter in the final week of the season. I can tell you that right now. He's very talented, but he doesn't make good decisions with the football. Okay, people get caught up in the arm strength and the size and the movement for his size and all those types of things, but I don't trust him to make smart decisions with the football. And we see it time and time again, forcing balls, having too much confidence in his arm, and then being inaccurate on those throws does not lead to good results. They're going to get tested this week as they're taking on Florida. We're going to learn a lot about uh, Milton in that game. Number 10, this is where I put Alabama. Okay, it's still Alabama. They lost to a really good Texas team. It's still Nick Saban, and I doubt we've seen the last of them this year. Okay, they're going to make adjustments. Okay, and look, as I said earlier, there's a good chance this team goes 11 and 1 and competes in the SEC Championship game at the end of the year. Don't write off Nick Saban, don't write off the GOAT. Okay, it's never a good decision to do that. That's Alabama at 10. At number 9, I've got Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State has the talent of a team to be ranked higher than ninth, but the issue is they don't have a quarterback. <clears throat> they don't. Okay, they've played both quarterbacks in both games. Okay, when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. They cancel each other out. Okay, neither one has been outstanding. And I cannot commit to Ohio State being a top eight, top six, top four football team until they commit to a starting quarterback. And that's really hard to do when you only score 23 points against Indiana and you only score 35 points against Youngstown State. 
They've got real issues in that quarterback room, and until they figure it out, it's going to be really hard for them to move up anybody's rankings. We've seen them drop in the AP and in the coaches' poll as well. Number eight, I have Notre Dame. Look, I think Notre Dame is usually overrated. Maybe not this year. Every team from Notre Dame down has a good quarterback that I at least kind of like. Sam Hartman, clearly the guy in South Bend. Okay, He threw another four touchdown passes against North Carolina State on Sunday. I like their running backs. The new tight end, he can play. My only concern is that the best team that the Fighting Irish have played so far isn't very good. Like North Carolina State, like meh, not like, like bottom ACC team. Okay, we're going to find out how good this team really is on September 23rd when they play Ohio State, especially the offense, because we know that Ohio State defense should be pretty solid this year. We're going to learn a lot more about Sam Hartman. We'll be able to have a real true judgment of who Notre Dame is after that game. Number seven, Washington. Michael Penix Jr., dark horse for the Heisman. I'm sure you've heard other people make that take. Okay, we saw flashes of what he could be at Indiana. Now he has a talented wide receiver core around him in Washington, and he's been fully unleashed. He's been awesome. This team can put up points. Sure, games have been against Tulsa and Boise State, but we saw them put up points last year, okay, and they can sling the ball all over the field. Michael Penix Jr. has been really good. The offense is absolutely potent. Washington has to be gaining the attention of everyone. Number seven, the Washington Huskies. And number six, Penn State. They beat West Virginia pretty comfortably. Okay, and after that, they pummeled Delaware. Okay, Drew Allar could be a star for the Nittany Lions, dare I say. Okay, he looks like an upgrade so far over over Sean Clifford. Uh, The run game has looked really good early as well. James Franklin has his best team at Penn State since he's been there. Okay, and we know that he can coach. Anyone who can win nine games at Vanderbilt has my stamp of approval. That's really hard to do. Okay, this guy, he's a good coach. Penn State could win the Big Ten this year. Okay, I like them more than Ohio State right now. Still don't know about Michigan. Number five, USC. Uh, they have the best offensive coach in the country paired with the best quarterback in the country. Okay, they're going to outscore almost every team that they play. Caleb Williams seems to become more and more impressive every single week, <clears throat> despite how impressive he already is. Okay, the question, though, is the same as it always is with Lincoln, Lincoln Riley coach teams. How is the defense going to perform? If it performs well, then they can com- then they can compete for a spot in the college football playoff. If not, then it'll probably be another Rose Bowl appearance, something along those lines. Okay, can this defense show up? That is the biggest question because we know this offense is going to put up several several points every time they go out. Now to my top four. Number four, I have Michigan. Okay, Michigan very they could very well belong at two. Okay, but the wins aren't as good as the teams I have in front of them. Okay, their defense looks good. But their wins are against Eastern Carolina and UNLV. That doesn't tell me very much. Okay, I can't reward them to be ranked over the two teams I have in front of them, who you probably know. When those two teams have wins over LSU and Alabama, okay, Michigan could end up ranked in the top two very soon. But until they play legit competition, it's hard for me to move them in front of teams that have better wins than they do. Speaking of having better wins, LSU, much better win than Eastern Carolina or UNLV at number three. I have Florida State. Okay, this is the second best win in the country. They dominated LSU in week one, caught everybody's eye. And there's a party like, well, they're going to have a letdown in week two. No, they went out and they smoked Southern Miss. Okay, Jordan Travis is a good quarterback. Mike Norvell is a good head coach. They have some difference makers on the defensive side of the ball as well. 
They look like one of the most complete teams in the country through two games. Then again, it's only two games, but Florida State, man, they look really, really good. Number two, I have Texas, the Longhorns. They have the best win in the country. Okay, They went on the road to Tuscaloosa at night and beat Alabama. They didn't just beat Alabama. They beat them by double digits. Okay, and I'm not going to, you know, re-say everything that I said in that, you know, four-minute open about the Texas-Alabama game, but we know that Ewers is a good quarterback. We saw the dominance of their front four, and we know Sark, we know Coach Sark can coach. Texas might be back. And number one, Georgia, the Bulldogs. Okay, not moving them out of number one until they lose. Sorry, not happening. Spoiler alert for every podcast until Georgia loses. They're staying at number one. They are the current kings of college football. It's going to take a lot for me to move them out of the top spot. Okay, They have the best non-quarterback player in the country in Brock Bowers, and their offense isn't overly dependent on the quarterback position. doesn't matter who they have back there Okay, because we know when in doubt they can run the football and they can figure out a way to get Brock Bowers the football. Okay, I really like this Georgia team. We know all about what they're bringing to the party on defense. Once again, their defense is littered with multiple NFL players, and as long as Kirby Smart is there, that's going to be the case. Georgia, still the top dog in football. I know we're excited about Texas. We're excited about Florida State, teams that we expect to be powerhouses that had taken a dip. They're on the rise back up. People are excited. Do not forget about Georgia. Okay, They don't play a tough game until you know next year, but... This is still a really good football team. Do not forget about the Georgia Bulldogs. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk NFL last week, and then we're going to preview the upcoming weekend. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Instead of giving a game-by-game breakdown like I would normally do, since it's Thursday and I don't want to spend forever recapping last Sunday, here are my awards for week one of the NFL season. Performance of the week. Tua Tagovailoa, coming off of multiple concussions last year, Tua slung the rock all over the field against the Chargers on Sunday. He threw for 466 yards, three touchdowns. He made multiple throws within the structure of the offense. That's what he did last year. That's what we expect of Tua at a bare minimum. We expect him to be on time and on target to a point where it was almost a detriment. It ruined the way that we saw him. We saw him as a product of the system. We saw him as this quarterback where when the timing is right, he's great. The question last year was what happens when the timing isn't right and the play breaks down? Well, he was pretty good in the fourth quarter when plays broke down. He converted multiple third and longs while improvising. The most notable was the bomb to Tyreek Hill. You know what play I'm talking about. He escapes up in the pocket, throws on the run, drops it in perfectly on a third and ten with just under four minutes left. I mean, he just let it rip and dropped a perfect dime to Tyreek Hill for a 47-yard game. Okay, Tua was an MVP candidate early on last year. Okay, if he can continue to make plays when things aren't perfect, then he could, again, be an MVP candidate at some point. I mean, this offense is so ridiculous. Okay, you can't ignore this Week 1 performance if this continues. Watch out. We could very soon be talking about the Miami Dolphins competing with the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals for the right to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. This Dolphins team looks really, really good, especially when Tua looks like that. Most disappointed fans of the week, the New York Jets. I feel bad for y'all. 
I really do. Four snaps into the season, and Aaron Rodgers goes down with a torn Achilles. We did all this stuff, all offseason, me included, talking about Aaron Rodgers and how he's going to do in New York, and people made bets on Rodgers to win the MVP or to be bad, and all this kind of stuff. And then this happens, and none of it matters anymore. Okay, an injury to someone to someone's Achilles is just like at any age. Like that's really hard to come back from, especially at 39. Though it feels kind of impossible that he's going to come back and be the guy that he was. I thought he was going to have a good year this year. You know, just the excitement of being in a new place. Um, the Jets fans in my life—they're truly disappointed. I was talking to my guy Cam. I know he listens. Shout out, buddy. Man, like it's just—it's heartbreaking. Like even as a Dolphins fan, a guy who doesn't really like the Jets. Like it sucks because this was a storyline that everybody was tuned into, and now like we're we're not even going to get to see it, which really, really sucks. Anytime a great athlete goes out due to injury, even if you don't like him, it sucks, and people have to be disappointed. But look, Jets fans, here's the good news: you did win the football game. This defense is is legit. This defense is so good, and if Zach Wilson can avoid turning the ball over, then they can win some games. Okay. We've seen Aaron Rodgers mentor guys before. He um, mentored Jordan Love, who looked pretty good on Sunday. We're going to get to him here in a bit. Look, he can do the same thing for Zach Wilson. They can get the turnovers out of there, and they can protect him. Then they can win some football games, and they can potentially sneak into the playoffs as a seven seed. But the Super Bowl hopes, those are gone. Those are out the window. My honorable mention for most disappointed fans of the week are the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears fans, I'm sorry. Okay, let's talk about the teams that the team that Aaron Rodgers owns, the Chicago Bears. Their fans really upset, really disappointed as well. They're excited. Aaron Rodgers finally leaves Green Bay. Okay, they make multiple moves in the offseason to increase the talent around Justin Fields. They did all of that to lose 38 to 14 in week one at home to the Packers, the very team that has owned them for the past decade, it feels like. Okay, Jordan Love. Looked better than Fields to throw some salt in the wound. Okay, that I think that's the ultimate heartbreak for Bears fans. Okay, how much longer are they going to have to sit back and watch the Packers be better than them at everything? Green Bay hires better coaches. They draft better players, especially quarterbacks. And they win more games year in and year out. The last time the Bears won more games than the Packers in a season was in 2018. It was five years ago. In the past decade, that is the only time, 2018, that the Bears have finished with a better record than the Packers. That's it, just once. Okay, the idea was that Rodgers, and far for why the Packers were so much better than the Bears, which is partially true, they've had a better quarterback than, than the Bears have had my entire life. Okay, but that's not the case. The Bears are, the Bears are just poorly ran. They're a poorly ran organization. Okay, and the Packers aren't. They run very well. They draft well. They scout well, and they develop players. Matt Lafleur, really good head coach. Okay, this Packers team, really good. Jordan Love, I thought he looked good. I thought it took him a minute to settle in, but once he settled in, he got into the rhythm and the flow of the offense. I thought he played well. I thought I thought he looked fine. You know, they had some drops as well, which didn't help him. But yeah, Bears fans, sorry, I don't think Justin Fields is your guy. Our out of body experience of the week goes to the Cincinnati Bengals offense. What happened to Joe Burrow and the Bengals against the Browns? They only scored three points. Joe Burrow completed less than half of his passes for only 82 yards. What? What the Browns do, though? Because we do have to give them some credits. 
okay, when really good players like Joe Burrow play that awfully, is part of it on them? Sure. But the defense has to do something to make life hard. What did they do? The Browns forced Joe Burrow to throw the ball outside the numbers. They took away the middle of the field. Okay, So they played zone over the middle, and then they allowed their talents on the outside at the cornerback position to do what it does. Denzel Ward did a fantastic job defending Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase had five receptions for only 39 yards on nine targets. Okay, But look, it's an out-of-body experience for a reason. It's not going to happen again. Okay, Burrow and Chase, they're too good of a duo to not bounce back. If you're a Bengals fan, I wouldn't be worried. they got a big game. Uh, they're playing, oh, who are they playing this week? Oh, this is going to bother me. Either way, I fully expect for them to bounce back. Um, this is a good team, okay? Like, There's a reason why people are picking the Bengals to be really good this year. The Ravens. They play the Ravens. They're favorited. That's going to be a tough game. But as I said, they should bounce back. They're going to look way better. They're going to score more than three points. They're going to be fine. Eye-opener of the week. This is the award where it's like, oh, look at that. Who would have thought? Got to pay a little bit more attention to them now. That's the Los Angeles Rams. Did you see the Rams put up 30 points without Cooper Cup? Did you see how good Matthew Stafford looked? He moved well, let it rip when he could. Elbow seems to be fine. Oh, also, did you see the defense that the Rams played? They held a very talented Seahawks offense to only 13 points. Okay, do you guys remember like four years ago, three years ago, when people raved about how good of a head coach Sean McVay is? Well, it turns out he's still a good coach. He just needed his quarterback to be healthy. Okay, this Rams team opened up some eyes after a dominant 30 to 13 win on the on the road in Seattle against the division opponent, one of the toughest environments to win in in the NFL. And Matthew Stafford looked good. And they got major comp- contributions from Tutu Atwell and and Puka, I'm going to butcher his name, Buka Nakua. Okay, two players only Rams fans had heard of before Sunday. Two players some Rams fans hadn't heard of before Sunday. Sean McVay, fantastic coaching job. Okay, and the Rams' two biggest stars, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, made big impacts. This Rams team, look, go check out my sub stack. I I, I wrote about them on there. They're going to be tough. They're going to be much tougher than people realize because Sean McVay is a really good coach, and for some reason, we forgot about that. Okay, and my my final award from Sunday, the What the Hell Happened Award, goes to the New York Giants offense. Okay, Brian Dable, one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL. Okay, I remember last year I was talking about him like I did Shanahan. He's awesome. Okay, they extend Daniel Jones in the offseason. They give him some money because they at least kind of believe in him. Okay, and then this Cowboys defense made me question everything I had ever said about Brian Dable on Sunday night. Okay, Daniel Jones barely throws for 100 yards. He was sacked seven times. He threw two interceptions. One was a pick six. They, okay, like this Cowboys defense dominated this Giants offense from start to finish. Teams, you know, coached by guys like Brian Dable don't get shut out. That doesn't happen. Okay, everyone knew coming into this year how good this Cowboys defense was going to be. And even though we expected a lot from them, they far and away exceeded the expectations placed before them in week one. What the hell happened to this Giants offense? The Dallas Cowboys defense is what happened. Okay? This could be a very rare occurrence for the Cowboys this year. Okay, they could cause me, a guy who likes the offensive side of the football, a guy who talks about quarterbacks and receivers more than just about anybody else. 
This Dallas Cowboys defense could make me tune into their games because I want to see the defense. That is a very rare occurrence with the way that football is today. Man, what a performance by them on Sunday night. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to preview the upcoming weekend. Uh, We're just going to highlight all the big games that are going on uh, in college football, and then from there we're going to move into the NFL into three categories. Can't wait to get into it. It's going to be good. Stick around for it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Final segment here. Games to watch this upcoming weekend. We're going to start in college football. I'll just be honest. It's a slow weekend. There aren't many games where I'm like, ooh, got to sit down and watch that one. There really aren't any of those. There's one that I'm intrigued by. That's really it. But there is a storyline for us to pay attention to. Okay? Before we get to that, let's start with one of the two games I want to sit down and watch. That is LSU versus Mississippi State. Okay, LSU's getting 9.5 here. But the last time we saw them play a Power 5 opponent, they got trounced by Florida State. Okay, obviously Mississippi State isn't as good as Florida State. But people came away from that game. By people, I mean me. I came away from that game with a concern about LSU secondary. It didn't look very good. Okay, Mississippi State, they're rolling out a quarterback in Will Rogers, who's thrown the ball over 600 times these last two seasons. Obviously, that's a little bit different with Mike Leach no longer being there. God rest his soul. Okay, he's going to test this LSU secondary. Okay, they're going to go after those corners, those inexperienced guys on the outside. And we're going to see how they hold up. It's going to be really interesting. I would honestly take Mississippi State to cover because I'm not convinced that this LSU team is that great. Is Mississippi State going to be able to get stops? I don't know. That's that's really the big question. Can they slow down this LSU run game and can they make Jaden Daniels a passer? We're going to find out. I think it's a sleeper for games. Okay, I think no one's really talking about this game, but it's going to be tough on LSU to beat this Mississippi State bunch, especially with the weakness of their defense being that secondary. We're going to stay in the SEC here for this storyline. Every SEC team that plays a non-conference team that is not a cupcake is a game you need to watch. It is no secret that the SEC has not played very well in their non-conference against other Power 5 opponents. It's alarming. The SEC, right, the juggernaut of college football conferences, as an SEC guy, I love being able to flaunt that the SEC is the best conference in the country. It's been like that pretty much my entire life for the past 15, 16, 17 years. It's been the SEC or nothing. And that is slowly beginning to change. Okay, Coaches that have been great have moved on. Florida isn't what they were. That was a part of the SEC dominance. Florida was great. And now they've got the third best coach in the state behind Miami and Florida State, Mike Norvell and Mario Cristobal. Both of those guys are better coaches than Billy Napier. If you're in Florida, you'd rather go play for those guys. And they're pulling those players away from Florida so they aren't what they were. Alabama, we just saw them get beat by Texas. Okay, Texas A&M should be really good, but we just saw them get beat by Miami. And for some reason, despite being arguably the most talented team in the country, they can't figure out a way to win games. The SEC, on the... You know, they're heading downhill. It doesn't look very good. We just saw LSU get, you know, destroyed by Florida State, as I've already harped on a little bit in this podcast. So every SEC team that plays a non-conference opponent that isn't a cupcake needs to be watched. Kansas State plays Missouri. Okay, Kansas State, you know, ranks 12th in the country, 13th in the country, somewhere in there. Kansas State only getting three and a half. 
only favored by three and a half in this one against a lower tiered SEC team, which is interesting. Okay, because Kansas State is one of the better Big 12 teams. Okay, it's been a bad start to the season for the SEC, as I've already mentioned. But if Missouri can win this game, it will do a lot for the SEC. Okay, in terms of their image of maintaining that crown of we're the best conference. Okay, it's going to be that game is one I've got my eye on. The line is really intriguing. I, I don't know why Kansas State is only favored by three and a half points in that game. Moving on. BYU plays Arkansas. Arkansas favored by eight. This is a game that the SEC should win, but this is also the kind of game that the SEC has been losing this entire non-conference stretch. Okay, Ole Miss plays Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, lower-tiered ACC team. We saw Ole Miss beat Tulane last week. This is yet another game that the SEC team should win. Ole Miss should win this game pretty handily. Okay, but they barely beat a good Tulane team last week. I'm very interested to see how Ole Miss responds after sneaking out with a win last week. And that's those are the three, right? Three, yeah. Those are the three SEC versus non-cupcake teams this week, right? Some teams have conference games. Like I know Tennessee plays Florida. Tennessee should run them out of the building, um, so on and so forth. So, you know, Alabama bounces back against South Florida. Good luck, South Florida. Never fun playing Coach Saban coming off of a loss. The final game that I have highlighted for this week is, is another storyline game. Colorado plays Colorado State. Colorado should win this game pretty handily. They're 23.5 point favorites, just to give you a little glimpse. This is all about Deion Sanders. Okay, I'm not I'm still not a full believer in their success yet, but it's entertaining. Okay, and there aren't many great games this week. So all eyes are going to be on this Colorado team. Once again, uh Shadur Sanders playing quarterback, more Travis Hunter playing both ways. Eyes are glued to the TV for that game just because it's Deion Sanders. And I'm really intrigued to see how they look coming off their win against Nebraska. And they beat TCU the week prior. When they get into conference play and they start playing these other Pac-12 teams, that's when I think we'll know. Because as I've said, I mean, look, they're not they're not better than Utah. They're not better than Oregon. They're not better than Oregon State. Well, they might be better. They might be better than Oregon State. We'll we'll put a maybe on that. But they're not better than Oregon. They're not better than USC. Okay, so there's at least three teams out there that are better than them that I'm pretty confident in saying, and then potentially Oregon State as well. So let's move on to the NFL where I've got three categories here. I've put every single NFL game in a category. We've got must-watch, watchables, and we've got unwatchables. Okay, so let's start with watchables. Vikings-Eagles, tonight, primetime, Thursday night football. Eagles getting six points. This game's only watchable because it's Thursday night football. Okay, It's going to be maybe an interesting game. We'll see. This Eagles team should handle the Vikings, even though they're missing four starters this year, which is more than any other game last year. The most starters that sat out in a single game for the Eagles last year was three. Okay, So the injury, injury bug already coming after the Eagles Unlike last year, the injury bug was like, nah, we'll leave those Eagles alone and let them, you know, walk to this to the Super Bowl. So, Vikings Eagles prime time tonight. Now let's jump to Sunday, one o'clock. Packers Falcons. This is another watchable. Um, yeah, sorry, lost, lost my place there. Packers favored by one. We got two young quarterbacks and coaches going at it. Both teams. Have high upsides coming into the season, and so there are some expectations for each team. But it's nothing like we expect for these teams to win the Super Bowl. These are just two very new-looking teams that I think people are really intrigued by. 
but not quite intrigued enough for this to be a must-watch kind of game. Okay, Seahawks-Lions. Lions getting five. This is another watchable. These are two of the hot picks in the offseason is like Super Bowl sleepers. Okay, I know I took the Seahawks to win the NFC West. People really like the Lions. Seahawks, they're looking to avoid this 0-2 start. The Lions are looking to ride the momentum of beating the defending Super Bowl champs. Okay, I'm telling you right now, Seahawks may not win this game, but they're covering that five points. I guarantee you. When teams get embarrassed, they tend to respond well the following week. The Seahawks got embarrassed by the Rams. They're going to respond well against the Lions. Look, the Lions may win this football game, but I'm telling you, the Seahawks are going to cover that five. Okay, let's do our first must-watch game here. Ravens-Bengals. Okay, Bengals favored by three and a half. Big divisional matchup in one of the best divisions in the NFL. Okay, these two quarterbacks both got paid in the offseason, and they're both Super Bowl hopefuls. Both of these teams think that they can win the Super Bowl. I'm inclined to agree. This could be one of the best games of the week. There's really three games this week that I think are going to be awesome, two in particular. But before we get to those, let's go back to our watchables. Bears, Buccaneers, Bucks minus two and a half. Baker Mayfield is just fun to watch. There's a lot of talent on this Buccaneers team, like Gustav, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and guys like that. But the real reason why people, I think, want to watch this game, we're still trying to figure out if Justin Fields is the guy for the Bears. I don't think he is. Okay, but these are two great football, two not great football teams, excuse me, who think that they can grab a win here. Okay, should be a good one because neither team's very good. Another watchable. 49ers play the Rams. 49ers are eight-point favorites. The history here, it's unignorable. It's why this game's a watchable. Plus, as I said earlier, the Rams looked good last week. Okay, we know how talented this 49ers team is. This should be a good game. Okay, much better than the line indicates. I would definitely expect for the Rams to cover those eight points. Our first unwatchable, the Bills play the Raiders. The Bills are nine and a half point favorites. This game shouldn't be close. Bills are far and away more talented than the Raiders. This is the kind of game where I'm thinking you can turn it off at halftime. But that being said, the Bills did lose to the Jets. On you know Monday Night Football after Aaron Rodgers basically didn't play. So, should be an unwatchable, but we'll see what happens. Okay, back here to our watchables. Uh, the Jets and the Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by nine, but I don't think they cover that because these are two of the best defenses in the league. Okay, if you enjoy defensive struggles, then this is the game for you. Okay, the Cowboys being favored by nine just feels ridiculous. I think this Jets defense is simply too good. So if you want to see old-school football, guys knocking each other's heads off, forcing turnovers, all those types of things, this is the game for you. Going back to our next must-watch, Chiefs-Jags, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. I'm really excited for it. Okay, the Chiefs are going to look to not start 0-2, which the idea of them starting 0-2 under Patrick Mahomes just seems absurd. Okay, Chris Jones, he's good to play. Not too too sure about Travis Kelsey, uh, but Chris Jones will be back, which will be really big for this Chiefs de- defense against a guy in Trevor Lawrence who's ascending. Okay, it's going to be fun to watch him and the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes, be on the same field so we can compare the two. This game, despite it only being week two, despite it not being a divisional matchup, this game's huge. Why is it huge? Because I think the winner of this game is going to get the number one seed in the AFC. If the Jags start 2-0 and and the Chiefs start 0-2, it's a lot of ground to make up, okay? 
I'm telling you, whoever wins this game is likely going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Let's get to our next unwatchable. Chargers-Titans. Chargers, three-point three favorites, okay? After a great performance from the Chargers offense last week and the awful performance from Ryan Tannehill, three interceptions, I have no faith in the Titans to win this football game, okay? I think Mike Vrabel figures out a way to slow down this Chargers offense, but the Chargers are so talented, they should cruise to victory here. I expect the Titans to struggle again on offense, and I expect the Chargers to put up 20-plus points. And if they do that, good luck, Tennessee. Good luck with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback and being able to move the football consistently against that talented, talented Chargers defense. On to the next watchable, Commanders-Broncos. Okay, I didn't write down the line for this one. I believe the Broncos are favored by like three and a half, four points, somewhere in there. Russell Wilson didn't look bad in week one. Thought he moved well. He was willing to use his legs, ran a little bit. But they only scored 17 points against the Raiders, and that is concerning. Okay, this is another lesser defense that Wilson should have a good day against. Okay, so I'm very intrigued to kind of see how this Denver Broncos Sean Payton experiment continues to go. And then, of course, we're very interested in the Eric Bieniemy experience in Washington. Okay, this is something we're going to track all year. He deserves a head coaching job. And hopefully, he can earn one at the end of the year because we know how good of an offensive coordinator he is. He's got Sam Howell, not quite the talent he had in Kansas City, but they found a way to win week one against the Cardinals. We'll see if they can keep it rolling here against the Broncos. On to our next must-watch game. It's the Texans and the Colts. Jonathan, why should we watch two of the worst teams in football play? First of all, Colts, one-point favorite. Should be a really close game. Number two, the number two, number three, and number four overall picks are all playing on the same field in this game. Okay, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and uh, Anthony Richardson. Okay, two of them are the starting quarterbacks. Okay, like this is a game that you need to watch to see what the young talent in the NFL looks like. I'm really intrigued by this game. I think it's going to be really interesting. These are also two rookie head coaches. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am so intrigued by this Texans and Colts game. Let's get to our final unwatchable. Giants, Cardinals, Giants are five-and-a-half-point favorites. This isn't because of the Giants and what happened to them last week. I just simply refuse to believe that any game in which one of the teams is quarterbacked by Josh Dobbs can be good. Okay, Especially after the Giants got embarrassed on national TV last week, they're going to bounce back. It's very normal for these NFL teams, after looking bad, to come back the following week and look really, really good. Okay, telling you, Giants are going to bounce back. I think they absolutely destroy the Cardinals. They very easily cover that five and a half. Back to our watchables here. Both Monday Night Football games fall under the category of watchables. Okay, the Saints play the Panthers. Saints are three-point favorites here. We get to see the number one overall pick in prime time against a sneaky good Saints team. It's another divisional game. Very, very watchable. Very excited for Monday Night Football because of that. And then on top of that, starting a little bit later at 8.30, we get the Browns and the Steelers, another divisional game. Browns favored by two and a half. And after what the Browns did to the Bengals last week, they have everyone's attention. Okay, the Steelers got destroyed by the 49ers, 30-7. to Okay, as I've already said several times, teams that get embarrassed in the NFL tend to bounce back. That should also be a very, very watchable football game. And our final must-watch, final game of the week, Sunday Night Football, The Miami Dolphins are set to take on the New England Patriots. Dolphins are favored by three currently. It's a divisional matchup in primetime. Okay, must watch. 
This could be the best division in the NFL this year. Tua and this Dolphins offense looked great last week against the talented Chargers defense. Pats got off to a rough start against the Eagles, made some mistakes, threw a pick six. Once they threw a pick six, ball got tipped into Darius Slay's hands, and then he made a play. But the chess match here between the Mike McDaniel offense and the Bill Belichick defense in and of itself is very intriguing and should be a lot of fun to watch. Cannot wait for that game. That is all of them. Those are all the games to look forward to coming up. I will be back on Tuesday with another podcast. Recapping everything, maybe on Monday, I may do like a college football thing on Monday and then an NFL thing on Tuesday. We'll see kind of how everything works out. But that's going to do it for this podcast. I will talk to you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all early on next week.